the most delightfully fascinating character in the realms of mystery, Earl Durbigger's Charlie Chan. of the murder of Colonel Willoughby and Simmons is at hand. Charlie Chan, having built a theoretical case against the murdered man's nephew, Gerald Willoughby, only waits the gathering together of the guests who were present the night the murder was committed to obtain convincing proof that his theory is correct. Sergeant O'Brien, disguised as the butler, stands in the study with Sir Reginald, Mr. Blake, and Miss Evelyn Mitchell while Charlie Chan completes his plans for trapping the murderer. Everything is in readiness, Mr. Blake? Yes, Inspector, as far as I know. Uh, you received a little bronze statuette of soldier from police and placed it in room in which guests are assembling? That he did, Mr. Chang. I brought it from headquarters myself. And you, Miss Evelyn, attended to your little duties this afternoon? Why, Mr. Chan, how did... I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> Useless to hide things from detectives. <laughs> is that not so, Sir Reginald? <laughs> Apparently so, Inspector. I suppose that we'll be casting no bombshells in your direction when I tell you that Evelyn and I are to be married. I am truly delighted. I wish you very, very much happiness. Thanks, old chap. Thank you, Mr. Chan. You have fingerprint man here, Sergeant? Sure, I have, Mr. Chan. He's in the kitchen. He's a good one, and he works fast. Uh, as soon as you have served first round of drinks, you will be careful to see the glass Mr. Gerald uses is segregated so that fingerprint identification is made quickly and easily. I do wish you'd drop the whole thing, Charlie. I hate to see you make a mistake. But if Mr. Chan does make a mistake, no one but ourselves will know. If the fingerprints on the wine glass don't correspond with the prints on the statuette, no one needs to know anything. Miss Evelyn is correct. Mr. Blake, host, will not be embarrassed. And Mr. Gerald will never know he was suspected. Uh, you left Mr. Gerald in the living room, Sir Reginald? Yes, he's talking to some of the guests. Duff is there to see that nothing goes wrong along these lines. Uh, Mr. Gerald has not recognized his cousin Douglas? No, Duff introduced him, Doug Douglas, I mean, as Mr. Jim Watson. And Gerald took the introduction as a matter of course. By Joe, What, I... Sir Reginald? I was thinking of Isabel, Gerald's wife. If you're right, Charlie, this is going to be pretty bad for her. Unfortunately, criminal in his activities brings unhappiness and ruin to more than himself. But criminal always thinks he is more clever than other people. By the way, Inspector, one thing I want to know. What speech did Gerald make when you first spoke with him that convinced you of his guilt? You will remember Mr. Gerald spoke of his uncle meeting the murderer face to face. Now you know that no one except ourselves and the murderer knew that Willoughby had been stabbed in the heart while facing his assailant. By Jove, Mr. Chan, I do recall. Now, Mr. Blake, if you and Sir Reginald will go to living room and you, Sergeant, will serve drinks. All right, Mr. Chan. After you have had glass tested for fingerprints, you will return to living room 
Knock on door. This way. We shall then know that fingerprint test has been successful. I'll do everything the way you want it, Mr. Charles. Good luck, Sergeant, in role of butler. I'll need it. After you, Blake. Now, Miss Evelyn, you have notebook and pencil? Yes, Mr. Chan. You will enter room with me, and as unobserved as beautiful lady can be, <laughs> you take secluded seats where you can make notes of everything that transpires. Yes, Mr. Chan. I'll sit by the heavy curtains in the window. Come, then. We shall join others in living room. My arm, Miss Evelyn. We must enter as naturally as possible. Nothing must be done to arouse suspicion of murder. Although, if my theories are correct, he already is in shadow of noose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to those of you not already met him, Inspector Chan of the Honolulu Police. How do you do? Yes, I, I shall be as brief as possible. You must all, of course, know why you are here tonight. I promise Mr. Blake, Inspector Duff of Scotland Yard, Sir Reginald, that here in this room I should give into their hands the murderer of Colonel Douglas Willoughby. It is a theory, but a practical one, that the murderer invariably revisits the scene of his crime. We decided not to risk success by theory, so we brought murderer here. May I, may I humbly submit this thought to you? It is one thing to know who is murderer. It is entirely different thing to present proof that will result in conviction of said murderer. This much we know. Murderer was a person who was acquainted with daily activities of murdered colonels. He had followed him to this house from hotel. We are likewise certain of one other fact. Murdered Colonel saw and recognized murderer. And in one last desperate effort to leave us with essential clue, murdered man grasped a little statuette of soldier which stood on stair rail. That was the essential clue, which, within three minutes, shall place hangman's rope about cruel and vicious criminals. You have rung bell for Butler, Sir Reginald? Yes, Inspector. He ought to be here now. Come in. You rang, sir? There is no longer any necessity to disguise yourself, Sergeant. You may bring the evidence in. Uh, place same on table. Uh, here you are, Sergeant. I'll help you. A photograph. What on earth kind of evidence can that be? A photograph. Correct. Those of us who were present when Simmons was murdered remember his last words. Record. He said, get records. Through process of elimination, Inspector Duff, Sir Reggie and I determined upon phonograph records. But enough. Record speaks for itself. You, uh, you have wound the motor, Sergeant? He's already, Inspector. Very good. Quiet, please, everyone. Whom it may concern. This is the voice of one James Walker, attorney at law and notary public. I swear that in my presence, the two gentlemen who speak have satisfied me that they are whom they represent themselves to be, Colonel Douglas Willoughby and Sergeant Major Simmons. Quiet, please. I am going to explain why I made this recording. I did so because I know that in the event of my death by accident, should I leave only papers divulging the nature of this expose, that these papers would fall into hands I did not trust. The world knows that during the war, my son was charged with cowardice and that he was supposed to have committed suicide. This was not the case. 
My son and my nephew, Gerald, grew up together. Gerald was older, the more aggressive of the two. They both fell in love with the same woman, and to my satisfaction, for I loved her like a daughter. She seemed to care for my son. The threatened court-martial and supposed death of my son changed all that, and Isabel married Gerald. After the war, Sergeant Major Simmons came to me and told me that his conscience was hurting him. He speaks for himself. You see, sir, it was this way. Master Gerald was in command of the sector. He ordered Master Douglas to retreat. Master Douglas did so, and Master Gerald brought charges of cowardice against him. Very upset. And Master Douglas, realizing that the fight back meant dragging the family name through the mud, so to speak, made me swear never to reveal the truth. You see, sir, Master Douglas did not wish to hurt Lady Isabel. Now, Master Gerald's wife. I believe we have heard enough to satisfy you on the grounds of motive. And if the needle, if you will be so kind, Doctor. Yes, yes, Mr. Ness was on Simmons' part to blackmail me. That wasn't my uncle's voice. This whole thing is a plot. Sergeant, you have the wine glass? Yes, Inspector. Likewise, silk handkerchief, colored handkerchief? Yes, and the shoes. They're all in this box. Ah, yes. Observe, please, how nicely shoe fits into plaster cast we made of murderous footprints. This shoe, Mr. Gerald, was taken from your room. Do you deny it? What about it? You probably made the print to fit my shoe. Ah, then this colored silk scarf. It is yours? I don't know. It was found likewise by Sergeant in your trunk. Observe, if you please. Threads pulled from center. Same threads, according to chemists, are threads found on the hilt of knife used to kill Colonel Willoughby. A good lawyer will soon take care of these theories. So I thought. So I thought, Mr. Gerald. But here is something no lawyer, no matter how good can defend. The glass, Sergeant? Here it is, Inspector. Tonight, Sergeant, playing part of butler, served cocktails. He took glasses to fingerprint expert, waiting in kitchen. Fingerprints on your glass, Mr. Gerald, are same as fingerprints found on little statuette of soldier, which now stands on top shelf of bookcase. Have you touched that since you came into this house? I'll swear that he hasn't. He couldn't have. He hasn't touched it tonight. I've been with him practically every minute. Exactly. And he could not have touched it before, since it has been in possession of police. When did your fingerprints find their way to that piece of bronze? I, I... I'm not talking. There is no need. Your fingerprints were left on that statuette when murdered man held it before him in one last effort at defense. You are satisfied, Duff? Quite, Chen. Well satisfied. Sir Reginald? Yes, Inspector. There's no doubt in my mind. Very good. Sergeant, you may arrest Mr. Gerald Willoughby... For the murder of his uncle, Colonel Willoughby. Do you come quietly or do I have to put the bracelets on you? I'll come quietly. The slyest fox, though he raid the farm a dozen times, finds to his cost that his very boldness is his undoing. So it is with man. The murderer, though he plans carefully, leaves the mark of Cain upon his work as surely as he carries said mark in his heart. After you've heard from your sponsor, Inspector Chan will be with us again.
Inspector Chan. What do you have for us this evening? Case we have completed reminds me of ancient sayings. Do not despise the tender rice shoot. Today, its loss means nothing. But carefully tended, it may tomorrow prevent a famine. Meaning in our occidental tongue that unconsidered trifles may be very important. Correct, Mr. Wilson. Thank you, and good night. There's no community like a Cenex community, and that's why every Cenex store is so proud to serve theirs by supporting local athletic teams, promoting the arts, and making sure each store is a place its neighbors can find what they need, catch up with their friends, and stay connected. It's also why we give back, helping to make the wonderful places we call home the best they can be. Your local Cenex doesn't just work in your town, it lives there. The store next door, powered locally at Cenex. Cenex.